Hi, I'm Chantel, and Matisse used to give people chlamydia. So, welcome everyone to another episode of Drunk Art History, bitches. We're here, your favorite femme, fabulous, fierce art historians, hanging out in the darkest corner of the dingiest bar, spilling all of the art history chisme from the past until now, because God knows there's enough dirt for us to discuss for years. I mean, Maybe this is even like where we can begin the podcast, because <laughs> let me tell you, there's a lot of really incompetent humans as I crack open this person. I can count, I think on one hand, the people where I'm like, okay, I understand why you make more money than I do. Yes. Yeah. And I have crushes on like most of them. Academic so, crushes are so fulfilling. There's. <laughs> oh, look at <laughs> I <love> them. So... <laughs> I mean, like, it's kind of like thirst aid kit meets. I don't know, JSTOR or whatever, like. Definitely, like yes, 1,000%, <laughs> yes. I could go to Mars. I don't get I don't get down with Elon Musk, but like I could get yeah. down with someone else, like. I, yeah, exactly. If there was someone else yeah. who was operating this space travel situation, yeah. then I would be there. Oh my God, jumping off question, which artist would you be confined to another planet with? <gasps> I, I know. Question. <laughs> um, he's such an asshole, though. My immediate, <laughs> my immediate thoughts. Yeah. Was Dolly. Oh, cool. Because right. I would unpack love, that a little. Yeah. I would love to see him in a surrounding that seems almost as surreal as his painting. Like as an artist, what would it look like to be in a place that looks like something you've only ever seen in your mind? That's true. But then he was kind of a terrible person. Yeah, they I'm are. I'm like, I don't want to be stuck with you in a place where I can't like easily run away from you when you get super annoying. Can you run in space? No. You know what? Don't ask me to get all sci-fi nerdy because I can get real sci-fi nerdy. Like I contain multitudes and so I can like dissect this on the art history front. But also like I can break down terraforming and like all of that kind of stuff just as easily. I love this intersection, this like potential intersection and uh, space is the place. That's all I'm going to say. Space is the place. Space is the place. Anywhere but here is the place, honestly, at this point. 100%. I am, I am retired. Yeah. <laughs> but who would you uh, take into space with you? Oh, fuck. I might take, 
a photographer with me. And I'm trying to narrow down. I mean, my problematic favorite is Man Ray. Um, I know. Same. Hard oh my same. God. <laughs> I know. And I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if I would take Man Ray just because I think that I would love to see like his return to rayographs with mm-hmm. matter that you find on the planet. Um, but then also to develop film on a planet with zero gravity, does the, like, do all of the um, <laughs> mixers and uh, See, fluids. That's where terraforming comes in. What We're basically is... trying to create an Earth-like atmosphere on another planet. Which I'm like, that's a whole other kind of colonization. Like, oh, <laughs> Like, so they are laws of physics, bitch. (laughs) Here we go. Today, because it's so hot today, reminds me of this one episode of The Twilight Zone where um, the Earth is moving closer to the sun or the sun is moving closer to the Earth, one of those. I Um, remember that episode. Yes, and no nighttime, no shade. I'm going to burp. That was good. And the, it's so hot that the paintings start to melt. I remember that. I didn't like it at all. Yeah, like, it freaked oh. me out. I know. I was like, that's, that's possible. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't because it. the moon is orbiting away from the Earth at a rate that it's not going to affect us in this lifetime, but it will affect us and make the Earth uninhabitable. That was one of my biggest panic attacks in astronomy class. Um, oh. In college. Oh, yeah. I love that this is already so weird. I mean, I feel like the more we get used to it, the more flow we get into, it's just gonna go banana pants. I think that that is also true. It's like, we're throwing out little gems and then come back for more, bigger gems, further in the cave. Uncut gems, if you will. Exactly. If you had to go to a public arts institution, whether it's a museum, gallery, sculpture garden, etc., with one musician alive. Alive, not dead. I know, I'm sorry in advance, but that's my question. Who would it be? Oh my God. Okay, actually, easier than I thought it was gonna be. It would be Beyonce. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> have you seen, a- of course you've seen Ape Shit, I know. That is exactly why, like, at first I was like, who the fuck? And then I immediately (laughs) thought of that and was like, obviously. I lost my McFucking mind when I saw that music video. And you want to know where I saw that music video for the first time because I was sleeping on it for centuries? Where? It was in one of our Thursday night VAPA classes. Oh, I love that. Because one of our students based a lesson on that music video. That's beautiful. I love that. It so. was perfect. She is an art history major and she virtually or like remotely taught a group of high school music students and used apeshit as a like a hook and a lesson theme and a guiding question. Um, to talk about like media literacy, to talk about like, social justice, as well as rec- like what it means to 
claim and reclaim a colonized museum space? Mm. And what does it mean that all of these black bodies are reclaiming this museum and are, yeah. you know, positioned in front of these artworks, et cetera. And it was just the coolest fucking lesson in the entire world. It was so amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the power of Beyonce. Okay, but who would you take? I mean, you and I have been to museums together and you know that I, Alice in Wonderland it, I'm like in one room one minute, in another room the next minute. I'm just like, I gotta go. I don't know what's happening. Oh, you know, I'm wearing his shirt. I would take Nick Cave. I knew you were gonna say that. I- That's so, because I, I feel like I was raised knowing him as an artist. Yeah. And very, you know, I, I'm familiar with his music and with his writing and with his drawings and, and whatnot. As a person, like there's just these instances of humanity that I see in like interviews or like when I see him live and stuff. And I would just love to see like a very real uncensored reaction to artwork with him, whether it be comical and he pokes fun at stuff or he really looks at it in depth because I feel like especially when I receive his red hand files emails he will include works of art he'll talk about works of art and I find them so fascinating because he comes from such a different perspective and he's so tall it's just I feel like I would really love to be next to someone that that's that's so tall I am very average height for our listeners I am five six on a good day such a interesting qualifier height yes i think it's due to the kombucha but we'll see (laughs) okay but so i feel like this is the get to know you episode to know the depths of my museum nerdiness i wanted to call you out on using heights as a way of helping you choose this but yes thought about like oh my god different perspectives like what does this painting look like from six foot two versus five five? Because exactly. that's a thing. It is a thing. It totally is a thing. And I mean, I feel like, and thank you, you, would, you can always call me out because <laughs> so I know half of what I say at most times. Because I feel like in one of my first art history classes at UCLA, one of the philosophers that we learned about talked about the like actual emotional place that you are in when you experience a work of art and how the work of art either impacts you or doesn't impact. I think it was Hegel. Sounds like something like, say. Yeah. He was all about the like feels. He was really getting into his feels. <laughs> Some shit like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll cite my sources later. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah. in getting to know you, has there ever been a piece of work where you, speaking of getting in your feels, saw it live and in person and actually got like physically emotional? Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that there has. And honestly, it's, it's funny that the first experience that comes to mind is when I started working at the Hammer, um, it was Njadeka's pieces, Njadeka Akinili Crosby. She was one of the first artists that I conducted research on and that I did a tour with. But the sheer size and colors and subject matter, and then upon further research, the depth 
of the pieces really spoke to, I think, like I could relate a lot of what the pieces were about in terms of what I was going through. Like, I think that there was this really beautiful piece that was her and her husband. And there were a lot of nuances in the body language that I really could resonate with. I, but I found her work so communicative and so powerful. And it always just like has a little notch in my heart. Mine has less to do with the emotion invoked by the piece and more just getting to be in the same space as the piece. So it's very, very cheesy. And like any like quote unquote real historian is going to be like, oh, that's so dumb. Um, (laughs) But so you know that I grew up in a super small farming town in the Central Valley of California. And there were just not a lot of museums around. Definitely not a lot of museums that had like fine art work. Everything was just like small town, dioramas of history, like, which is also my shit. But like, it was <laughs> fine art. But I had this amazing teacher in high school who tried to pilot this arts program at my high school. And part of what we did for it was we got to learn about art history. So two of the pieces that really just like captured my imagination forever because I just thought they were so interesting. And they're like two of the like cheesiest things that you could possibly choose in art history were Girl with a Pearl Earring and Starry Night. And so Van Gogh especially became like a super Can I just thank you so much for pronouncing his last name properly? I just want to say, for all those fuckers out there that say Van Gogh, we're out for you. Anyway, please continue. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Um, but so I just found like his life story so interesting that it made his work so much more interesting. And that's basically like, what I'm all about when it comes to making art history and art more accessible is like the human side. So fast forward to coming to UCLA and for one of my classes, we had to do a museum visit and I went to the Norton Simon, Mm -hmm. um, which is so far away from UCLA. I don't know why I did that. It's so close to me. (laughs) It is now. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so they have some Van Gogh pieces and I turn, I I can physically remember we were looking at another installation, which is what I was supposed to actually be writing about. And then I turned the corner and I saw his painting of irises. I lost my shit. How could you not? Well, it was because up until this point, I had only ever known these super famous artists through a textbook or through a projector. And so to see it like up front, like it's, we are in the same room now was just so amazing to me. And then I remember like, I had more of a moment of awe than emotionality, but then I got closer and I saw a thumbprint in the paint. And for some reason I just started bawling. I was like, oh my God, he's here. Like, he's right there. In that like, he touched that. That was his thumb. <laughs> yeah. And then I just lost my shit. And it was really sweet. There was a guard there who was like, is this your first Van Gogh? And it's like, yes, it is. Um, which, shout out to museum guards that actually, like, interact with the public. You're the real VIPs. They are so 
essential and so amazing. I cannot begin to say. And a lot of the time, like, you know, for example, like Hammer, Fowler, like they're students. They are students. And like, how fucking cool is it to be able to stand around? They do other things besides stand around. How, how cool is it to coexist in a space? of such rich, amazing history. I mean, we'll get into, you know, criticism of the institution at large, but just just to like admire, you know, the, just how fantastic it is, how historical it is. And, and to, yeah, exactly, to be able to see a fucking thumbprint, like to know that, I mean, I don't know, I, th I hear that and I think of like the absolute disruption of an artwork has to be perfect with no marker of the human existence. And I fully reject that. And I, I think that I write, I really try to instill that within my students of like, it's not about the finished product. It's not about it being perfect because newsflash, there is no such thing. Perfection is a fucking illusion. Fight me, I will fight you. It's just the coolest thing to take that anxiety out of it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I just like, I love moments like that. And then the other thing is I, it made me think so much about like accessibility, like mm -hmm. the fact that it took probably like seven years between when I first actually learned about him to when I saw one of his works in person. It made me sad, honestly, because like, if you're looking at it in a textbook or on a projector, like you don't see the thumbprint. You're, yeah. never gonna, yeah. you're never gonna catch that kind of detail. It's but an it, image of the image. Yeah, and it's just made me think of how much more have I missed? And it was a real sore point, honestly, with some of our fellow classmates in art history of like, oh, but haven't you been to Paris? Like, haven't you done this? And I'm like, no. Sorry, my private plane broke down and couldn't make it. I guess I'll have to borrow Mary-Kate Nashley's next time. Shout out Shit's Creek. Thank you. Um, always, always. Yeah, that was a huge, uh, I just, I have a lot of feelings about that. And maybe we can dedicate an episode of our undergraduate experience at UCLA in terms of art history, because you and I were both transfer students. And so, you know, and the get in, get out. Like, not the richest families where it's like, oh no. I, I had to, to Europe. Sorry about it. I don't believe that you can be like you have to be a successful art historian to have gone to the Louvre, to have gone to Victoria and Albert, like hi, biggest colonizers ever. I would rather go to Mexico City, which I'm still dying to go to. I'd rather go to oh, like Oh my God, I know. Um, I'd rather go to like a local LA gallery of local LA artists that are making shit. Yeah, it just. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think just an expectation about where people get their interest in art history from. Oh, it must be because you just visited so many museums and galleries. <laughs> I'm like, no. Okay, further get to know you questions. What's your favorite color white. purple no. and black that's and, and that's sparkle. more than one color wow what i was going to say is what is your favorite artistic period or style i think you already know this but i would say that dada is my favorite just because i feel like it's the punk rock of the art movement mm -hmm. like modernism yes totally fucking punk very cool to paint workers 
normal quote unquote people, etc. Dada, I feel was like, fuck all that, here's this. Which I love. The tiny punk within me loves that. But I also have a really soft spot for, I mean, we were talking about this with one of our students the other day, like Baroque, like really dark, like especially like Baroque art in Spain, really dark still lifes that a carrot was supposed to represent Jesus or some shit. Like it was beautiful. I think that those would be my two favorites. Yeah. I like What that. about you? I, you definitely know this about me because you've been to my office and seen the shit I have around there, but um, <laughs> surrealism all the way. It's just so bizarre. And I love that it fights conventions, but created new ones. Mm-hmm. If that makes any kind of sense. Absolutely. And what I really love is something that not a lot of people are aware of, which is the work that female surrealist artists were doing, which was such an interesting look at like femininity and what it means to be a woman. And can I try on this other person? Are you going to mention our favorite artist? Is this is where, is this where you're going? I mean, I could, but I feel like I want to talk about her in another episode and just like That's dedicate fair. a whole episode to her. Oh my um, gosh, we're leaving our fans hanging. I love Hey, that. we, this is a teaser. <laughs> we already established that. So surrealism for sure. I have a weird fondness for pointillism just um, because of the like detail. And I can't even imagine how like time intensive it was. So like, bless you. Um, And then my thick fascination with medieval depictions of animals. For our fans that cannot see my face right now, my jaw is dropped. I have my hand out as to say pause. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) Because it's freaking amazing. I like, man, how long ago? I think it was like one year ago, two years ago, um, when the Getty did that beasts like mythical beasts and creatures show yes yes i remember that freaky shit where i'm just like yeah i feel like if i described a lion to a fifth grader they would those pictures yes (laughs) they like the like child draws a horse and then they make it in real life in photoshop in real life in photoshop you know what i mean i do Um, it's wonderful But then it also like blows my mind because I love the idea of the people creating these pieces being in such an insular world that the only way they could learn about something like a tiger or an elephant is from people who had come from these faraway lands telling them. And the fact that they had to just 100% use their imagination Paints to paper and draw an elephant, never having seen one. Sir, this is certainly an elephant. I know this because I read about it. Thank you. I love it so much. It's amazing. For some reason, this is also reminding me of Renaissance babies. Oh, God, the horror. Have you ever seen anything more ugly? Because I have not. No. If ever a painting was going to be haunted, it would be <laughs> haunted by the spirit of a baby who got done so wrong by artists in the Renaissance. Really and truly. It's like, it's like they saw a baby and they were like, sick, fuck that, gonna do this. Here's a baby holding a teat. 
its nose is out to here. I think it's peeing on something too. And I think we're gonna age it about 75 years. My favorite <laughs> is when the baby's head and the mom's head are the same size. <laughs> I almost spit out my kombucha. I saw that. <laughs> I love it. Where are the proportions? Where are the proportions? To be fair, Maybe those were early surrealists. I, I don't know. To be fair, proportions were kind of a new concept at yes. the time. I ugh, will never forget the moment. So I'm not sure how many art historians out there will have done this. Not required necessarily, but I decided to take an actual art class, a beginning mm -hmm. art class, to understand the methodologies that went into the different works that I'm studying by these wonderful professional, you know, quote unquote, professional artists. <laughs> and I will never forget the frustration I had trying to draw a room with dimensionality and proportion. It was so difficult. I hated it. I really understand that. When I took my drawing class, it was like, oh, fuck these faces. Fuck these faces. Hands, why do they Bro. exist? Why are they Bro. so difficult to draw? I love and I hate hands. Another artwork that really sticks out in my mind is George O'Keefe's hands photographed by Alfred Stieglitz. Oh. And yeah, and there's this one where she's like gripping onto, I'm making the gesture for everyone that obviously can't see, apologies. And, and it's like one hand is gripping the other palm and the other palm is outstretched. And I loved that image so much. And I tried to paint it because I was like, oh, this black and white photograph already looks like an oil painting. Yeah. I can do this. Yep. Chantal, I've never hated anything more in my entire life, except for like maybe cockroaches and racism. It okay, was. but did you keep it? Yeah, I think it's somewhere in storage. <laughs> I have to see it. I have ah. to see it. Our viewers have to see it. Like, yes, for sure. Oh, well that's, that's, that's Consult our producers. How about that? Fine, fine. Right, as if we have producers. I'm looking at Gray. I think she could be a producer. She's definitely the producer, which, by the way, listeners, Gray is a cat. Yes, she is. And she is currently, um, she has a new bandana. I have been telling everyone about it nonstop because it's just really exciting. She is currently in what I like to call her loaf. She has her, she's just curled into herself, but upright. And I think that if I put her in a bread box, she would fit. Wow. Yeah. What's your favorite artwork featuring food? Well, you know what just came to mind? What? So I don't know if it's my favorite, but the first thing that came to my mind is Wayne Tebow's cakes, cupcakes, pastries, deliciousness. And now I think fucking want cake. That sounds really delicious. I would say that he was one of the artists that I learned about when I was in San Francisco that I thought was so cool. Just, I, I loved the color palette. I loved the sort of impressionistic approach to painting, mm. you know, these delicious treats. Ugh, do you think that sprinkles, do you think that it's, this is a question for Chantel and our Wait, we never introduced ourselves. Can I... <laughs> Can I just say 
we done did this all backwards. <laughs> um, yeah, Wayne T. Bodes, delicious bullshit. I love it. What about you? Okay, so weirdly, it's gonna be Andy Warhol's Campbell soup. <laughs> I don't know why I found that hilarious, but I do. Because it makes no sense. That's why you found it <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, so, okay. It's because I was semi a latchkey kid. So, like, food to me was often just, what can I open and throw in a microwave or in a pot on the stove? Like, And, like, what can you physically reach? Yes, That exactly. was a lot of Pop-Tarts for this one right here. Yeah. It was Hot Pockets for me. Oh my God, the turkey and cheese and the ham and cheese. Yeah, girl. Okay. Pepperoni. I'm not gonna go pizza, there. The Hot Pockets, like. Did you oh. ever have Tostino's pizza rolls? Of course. Who are you Bro. talking about? But so, like, when I think of food, I kind of love the idea of looking at the processed food and then going a little too deep into it. I also like it when paintings are like work for it. Like, I'm not gonna mm -hmm. show you everything. So like, this is technically a symbol of like manufacturing and how everything is just ready-made, but also you recognize that this is food, yeah. but there really isn't an image of food here. It's an image of a can and the food is inside, but oh, you what is never it? get to see it. Ceci ne un peep? Yes! Yes! <laughs> this is exactly. food. This is not food. Exactly. I apologize to all of our French speakers out there. My French is not my best. Je suis désolé. <laughs> I think that was beautiful. The sorry, at least, was great. Thank you. <laughs> you have to work for it. You want a Campbell soup? You better work, bitch. You want a Waterhall? You better work, bitch. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you so much for listening in on our first ever episode. We hope that you enjoyed and are yearning for more. Don't forget to hit the bathroom on your way out. Drunk girl compliments! Oh my God, Amaret, like your bangs are so beautiful. Like I want to just like, can I touch them? Like I just, I want to run through them like a fucking a field of wheat. Like, push them aside. Like, it's just so beautiful. Chantel, can I just say, girl, where did you get your earrings? Because, like, I have been nagging my boyfriend who, like, still doesn't exist to get me a fucking pair. And, frankly, I'm sick of it. Bye! This episode of Drunk Art History Bitches is brought to you by Emirate and Chantel. The music was made mostly by the 24-year-old with gray hair and Emirate. Thanks for listening.